Good evening, guys, ghouls, and girls, and welcome to episode 3 of Spook Chatter, where we're talking about none other than the House of Horrors killer, Gary Heidnick, the real-life Buffalo Bill. Gary Michael Heidnick was born on November 22, 1943, in Eastlake, Ohio. He died on July 6, 1999, at age 55, in Center County, Pennsylvania, United States, by lethal injection. He was convicted of two counts of first-degree murder, rape, kidnapping, assault, involuntary sexual intercourse, indecent exposure, false imprisonment, unlawful restraint, and other associated offenses on July 1st, 1988. His victims, he kidnapped six and murdered two of them. A quick disclaimer before I get into this, for those that may be a bit squeamish or do get uncomfortable with disturbing and gory details, I suggest you click off this video because this man's crime even made me uncomfortable when I first learned about them a few years ago. I thought I was pretty desensitized, but apparently I wasn't. Gary Heidnick was born to Michael and Alan Heidnick and had a younger brother Terry. Michael and Alan divorced in year 1946, leaving the children to be raised by Alan for four years until being placed in the care of Michael and his new wife. If that wasn't upsetting enough, Gary would later claim his father would often physically and emotionally abuse him, living in constant fear of being beaten. This even resulted in a lifelong problem of bedwetting, and he claimed his father would humiliate him by forcing him to hang his stained sheets from his bedroom window for all of the neighbours to see. After Gary's arrest, Michael denied all claims of abuse. Gary performed well academically, however, his social skills were lacking. He didn't interact with his fellow students and barely even bothered to make eye contact. Gary was constantly teased due to his quote, oddly shaped head, which both he and his brother Terry claimed was caused by Gary falling out of a tree at a young age. After this fall, it was said Gary's behaviour completely changed and he showed signs of a serial killer. Animals he once loved and nurtured, he strung up from trees, ultimately killing them. At age 14, with the encouragement of his father, he enrolled into Staunton Military Academy in Virginia. He was there for two years before graduating. He did another stint of public high school but dropped out at age 17 to pursue a career in the US Army where he served for 13 months. Gary really thrived during his basic training, even being labelled by his drill sergeant as excellent. However, this was not enough. He applied for several specialist positions, including military police, but unfortunately was rejected. Gary went to San Antonio, Texas to train as a medic and did well through the training. Gary was then transferred to the 46th Army Hospital in West Germany and after several weeks earned his GED. In August 1962, Gary began complaining of severe headaches, dizziness, blurred vision and nausea. A neurologist diagnosed him with gastroenteritis, also noting that Gary displayed symptoms of mental illness. October 1964, Gary was transferred to a military hospital in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, where he was officially diagnosed with schizoid personality disorder and was honorably discharged from the military service. 
Not long after his discharge, Gary became a licensed practical nurse, however was fired for poor attendance and rude behaviour towards patients. Gary spent a lot of time in and out of psychiatric hospitals and had attempted suicide at least 13 times. In 1970, his mother Alan committed suicide after being diagnosed with bone cancer and suffering the effects of alcoholism. His brother Terry also struggled with mental illnesses and spent time in institutions also attempting suicide multiple times. On October 3, 1985, Gary married Betty Disto. However, the marriage quickly deteriorated after she found him in bed with three other women. Betty accused Gary of repeatedly raping and assaulting her and also forcing her to watch him sleep with other women. Betty left Gary in January of 1986 and unbeknownst to Gary, he had impregnated Betty during their short marriage. Betty gave birth to a son named Jesse. Gary would go on to have two other children with two different women. His third child was with a woman who was illiterate and mentally disabled. After their daughter was born of March 1978, she was immediately placed into foster care. Now that we know a little bit about his past, let's talk Gary's arrests and crimes. I know all you gore lovers are out there just itching for the gruesome details and I am here to provide. Gary's first legal charges were in the year of 1976 and was an aggravated assault and for carrying an unlicensed pistol. He shot the tenant of a house he offered for rent in the face, luckily only grazing it. In 1978, Gary was arrested and charged with kidnapping, rape, unlawful restraint, false imprisonment, involuntary deviant sexual intercourse and interfering with the custody of a committed person. This came about as Gary had signed out Alberta Davidson, the sister of then-girlfriend and third woman he had a child with, from a mental institution on day leave and proceeded to imprison her in a locked storage room of his basement. After she was returned to the hospital, she was examined, revealing that she had been sodomized and had contracted gonorrhea. Gary's original sentence was overturned on appeal and he spent three years of his incarceration in mental institutions prior to being released in April 1983 under the supervision of a state-sanctioned mental health program. After Gary's wife Betty left him in 1986, he was arrested again, being charged with assault, indecent assault, spousal rape and involuntary deviant sexual intercourse. Trigger warning for all those still listening, this is where we get the very gruesome and truly disturbing part. On November 25th, 1986, Gary abducted a woman named Josefina Rivera. She was 25 years old, a mother of three, struggling with a drug addiction and was working as a sex worker at the time of the attack. Josefina was lured into Gary's home with the promise of money in exchange for sex. After the dirty deed, Josephina was putting her clothes back on. When Gary approached behind her and choked her, he dragged her down into his basement, shackled her limbs together with chains, and sealed the bolts with superglue. Gary beat Josephina with a stick to stop her from yelling out for help and threw her into a makeshift pit he had made in the floor of his basement. If you haven't already picked up the Buffalo Bill vibes, here it is. He boarded up the pit and sealed her in. The only light that would shine through were from the cracks between the wood covering overhead. On December 3rd, 1986, 
Gary abducted a mentally disabled woman by the name of Sandra Lindsay at age 24. He had impregnated her previously, however she had aborted the child, leaving Gary furious. He chained Sandra up in the same fashion as Josephina and forced the women to watch each other being raped. On December 23, 1986, Gary captured Lisa Thomas at age 19. Just to give you an idea of how little Gary was feeding these women, Lisa lost 40 to 50 pounds whilst being held in the basement. Deborah Dudley, age 23, was next to be kidnapped on January 2nd, 1987. Deborah was feisty and wasn't about to let Gary control her without a fight. However, when she fought back, Gary would savagely beat her. This created a divide and tension amongst the others, as when she disobeyed, he not only punished her, but the others as well. This was about the time Gary changed his routine. Rather than beating the women himself, he would appoint one of the women to be in charge while he was out. When he returned, he would ask the woman he appointed if anyone misbehaved, and if they had, he'd order the appointed to beat the others accordingly. If Gary wasn't satisfied with the report, he would give them a savage beating regardless. On January 18, 1987, he caught his youngest victim, 18-year-old Jacqueline Askins. Jacqueline was a prostitute and was quite small in size, so when Gary had sexual intercourse, he too strangled her and shackled her, however, had to use handcuffs for her ankles as she was so small. His first capture, Josephina, at this point, had been there for 52 days, and she began to win Gary's confidence over by displaying a higher level of obedience and loyalty, giving Gary the false sense that she actually enjoyed being one of his wives. As you can imagine, the living conditions were awful. He stopped forcing them to have sex with him, but forced them to with each other. He wasn't feeding them properly, starting out with bread and water to stale hot dogs or a peanut butter sandwich, until one day he overheard one of the women refer to a dog food ad, saying that even that dog food looked good enough to eat, keeping in mind that they were starving. So this gave him the brilliant idea to feed them dog food instead. If they refused to eat it, he would savagely beat them until they did. In February 1987, Gary caught Sandra moving the planks of wood that were on top of the pit the women were kept in. Gary didn't beat Sandra like he would have done previously. Instead, he handcuffed one of her wrists from a beam in the roof. Gary left her like this for days. He thought Sandra was pregnant with his child, so he attempted to force feed her bread. However, after days being left suspended in the same position, suffering from dehydration, not eating and running a fever, Sandra lost consciousness. Gary approached Sandra's limp body still suspended in the air, hanging on by one wrist. He unlocked the handcuff and Sandra dropped to the floor. Sandra unfortunately had succumbed to her torture. This is not where the horror ends. Gary, knowing fully well that he had a body to dispose of, decided the best way to handle Sandra's body would be to cut it up. However, rather than handling that himself, he forced the captives to play a part. He forced Jacqueline to cut off Sandra's arms. Gary shockingly started to blend up Sandra's body and began feeding it to his dogs and the women. The body parts that wouldn't fit in the blender he would cook on the stove. Neighbours began noticing the horrid scent and had called the police on Gary. A young patrol officer appeared at Gary's home of 3520 North Marshall Street. Gary claimed that he had burnt a roast and sent the officer away. 
At this point, Gary's schizoid personality disorder began to worsen and he started to get very suspicious of the women, convinced they were plotting to kill him and escape. Gary had discovered the women could hear his footsteps so they knew when he was coming down the stairs or if the car was pulling in and out of the driveway. Gary's resolution to this problem was to jam screwdrivers in their ears to damage their eardrums. Now when they disobeyed, he would show the captives Sandra's remains that he kept in the refrigerator. He hung them up similar to how he had with Sandra and gagged them so they couldn't conspire, but Deborah was still defying him and Gary was not having this behaviour anymore. He filled the pit with water, stripped the insulation off a live wire and pushed Jacqueline, Deborah and Lisa into the water. He then proceeded to electrify their shackles. Unfortunately, this was the cause of Deborah's death. She shook uncontrollably and collapsed. Upon checking, it was confirmed she had passed away. Gary hadn't forced Josephina into the pit with the others as he was under the belief that she was now his ally as she had assisted with the electrocution of the others. Gary also forced Josephina to write a letter stating that she helped him punish the others. He made her sign the letter and advised her, if you ever go to the cops, I can use this as evidence that you killed Debbie. Josephina had played Gary, convincing him that she was now on his side and that she wasn't going to run away. He took her out to restaurants and shopping trips, however still constantly reminded her of the letter she wrote and signed, advising her if she was ever caught, he'd plead insanity and she'd be the one locked up, not him. Gary disposed of Deborah's body in the woods with the help of Josephina. Gary was now looking for a replacement. He and Josephina drove around the streets of Philadelphia until they found another sex worker. On the 24th of March 1987, Gary's last victim, Agnes Adams, was taken home and in the same fashion as the others, after sexual intercourse, was getting dressed when Gary strangled her and dragged her down to the basement in handcuffs. Josephina was not down in the basement with the other captives, she was upstairs in the kitchen. Later that day, she had finally convinced Gary to let her see her children, with the agreement that she would bring him back another captive, or wife, as he was referring to them as. Gary reluctantly agreed, knowing that his plan to procreate with many women was failing and he needed new blood. Gary dropped Josephina off at her apartment later that evening, telling her he would pick her up later at a nearby gas station. Josephina knocked vigorously on the door to the apartment she shared with her boyfriend Vincent. He was surprised to see her since she'd been gone for four months, assuming she had run off. She began telling Vincent her story and he had thought she'd lost her mind. However, after begging Vincent desperately to call the police, he did. Vincent called from a payphone and when they arrived, they doubted her story. Josephina, knowing full well Gary still had captives stuck in the torture house, showed the police her injuries the deep scarring on her legs where the shackles and chains had cut into her. They finally started to believe her story. The police arrived quickly at 3520 North Marshall Street and Gary answered the door. As soon as the door opened, the waft of the horrendous smell hit their noses and they got the green light from Lieutenant James Hansen to apprehend Gary. The officers headed straight down into the basement where the women were kept, where they were finally freed. On the 23rd of April 1987, Gary, though stating the women were already living in the house and had nothing to do with their capture, was charged with two counts of first-degree murder, rape, kidnapping, assault, involuntary sexual intercourse, indecent exposure, 
false imprisonment, unlawful restraint, and other associated offences. Among the evidence presented, all of the women Gary kept prisoner gave testimonials against him. Josephina gave a graphic recount of Sandra and Deborah's murders, even admitting to assisting in the electrocution of Deborah. Gary tried to play the insanity card. He had doctors and psychiatrists evaluate him. However, due to his lawyer trying to place the blame on Josephina for the deaths of Sandra and Deborah, the judge presiding over the case told the defense that if Gary was capable of enlisting help with the crimes, he was not insane. The mass amount of $500,000 Gary had accumulated over the years also assisted in proving his sanity as his financial advisor was brought in to testify, stating Gary was a shrewd investor. On the 1st of July 1988, Gary Michael Heidnick was sentenced to death and transferred to the State Correction Institution in Pittsburgh. Gary was executed on the 6th of July 1999 by lethal injection. As nobody collected his body, Gary was cremated. He was 56 years old of his execution. If you would like to know where Gary's victims are now, please check out the description below where I've linked to videos and articles of how Josephina, Jacqueline, Lisa and Agnes are doing. And you'll also find pages where I gathered a lot of my information for this video. Another quick shout out to one of my favourite bands, Skinned. They researched Gary Heidnick and his horrendous crimes and packed them into a mesmerising song featuring the frontman of Korn, Jonathan Davis. Gary Heidnick is my favourite song by Skinned. You'll find the link to that video in the description below. Thanks so much for watching this spine-chilling spook chatter. Stay spooky.